Oh, little little uh, little spike in the numbers right before we get started. Uh-oh. Uh, I think it was Brittany. She's just saying all of your fucking episodes downloaded on my phone. <laughs> That'd be so funny if that's like the common theme of our show. Like, ah, all these fucking underdog episodes just downloaded on my phone. Every day? Are you kidding? Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever you choose to listen to Underdogs, your daily Blue Jays podcast. I am David Patrick Fleming. He is Jacob Eamon. Well, that's all she wrote, folks. That was the end of the 2020 Blue Jays season. And this is a bit of a this is a bit of a heavy episode, I feel. I, I feel a little bit down a little bit heavy but I'm going to I'm going to try really hard to stay you know thankful and and hopeful and and uh not get too down on these boys um we'll try you know there's always going to be some slips but uh coincidentally this episode falls on Thursday so it is thirsty Thursday as you all know so Wherever you are, we will give you a second to grab something to toast to the 2020 season. Booze. We always do bourbon. Jacob, what do you have today? You know. That looks like you could finish that. There's probably about three ounces in Jacob's bottle. No. <laughs> no <laughs> what do you think isn't. it is? I think so. There's 26 in a, in a total. It's halfway up the, way up the label. I'm going to say five ounces. Five, okay. Six so. maybe. I think it's something that you should attempt to finish throughout the course of this episode. How am I going to edit? How I am I going to do a I game diary edit? I can't, I can't get that drunk. I'll just be so depressed. I'll never get it uploaded. Be puking. But I will do it. I mean, let it be what it'll be. If, if it mangles the game diary, then that's just how Underdogs goes out for this season. Everybody, raise your glass. This is to the 2020 Toronto Blue Jays. This is congratulations to the Tampa Bay Rays and... This is to the final episode of the Blue Jays season four underdogs. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, fuck. Spit. <laughs> no, sort of fitting. I'm wearing a Blue Jays hoodie and I just spit some of that right on my hoodie. Just spitting liquor all over the Blue Jays hoodie because they couldn't get the job done and they're garbage. Oh, well, it didn't last long. Uh, oh, oh God. let it out jacob it's all right it's all right today sucks i so much wanted to be doing that toast to the blue jays having a chance to get to another series tonight yeah and 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 it was a very very difficult way for the blue jays to go out it was had our boy our boy bo bichette <sighs> Blanking balls off his glove. Can I do my game diary early? I, I want to do it before I'm too drunk and before I'm too... I, want, I need to get it out. Do you mind? Jacob, for the last time this season, do the game diary for all the listeners. All right, everybody. This is the last one. The final game diary. Well, it's time. I, like, and look, it's gonna say. <laughs> I, I did write it live so you could really. Uh, yeah, anyway. 
Well, it's time for game number two. On the mound, it's the man, the legend, our ace. Hunting Ryu. And what Ryu wants, Ryu gets, so we are wearing the powder blues. Yes, I hate them, but with a win tonight, I might be buying one in my post-game bliss. Rowdy is not in the lineup, but I guess I can understand it. It's defense first tonight, and Rowdy isn't ready to play on the field yet, so it's Shaw at first, and Vladdy is the designated masher. No backyard TV set up today, as we're a little beat up from last night, so I've got myself ready on my couch. I've got Bruce walked early. I've traded in my beers for Gatorade. For now, big hits will get me big hype, and there are a couple of beers in the fridge, so let's see what happens. I have also bought hot dogs to, to really give me that ballpark throw-up feeling. Glasnow comes out of the gate with a flamethrower. Cabin strikes out, and then a quick semi-deep fly out for both Bo and Lourdes. But hey, that's contact, and that's a start. Tyler Glasnow looks exactly like Killian Murphy. Ryu up now, and Mike Brasso smacks a cutter that is not put in a good place at all. High, not high enough or inside enough. He tries to stretch the single into a double and gets gunned out by Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s arm at second, and I'm still writing this by the time two more hits have already happened. This is not good at all. Fuck! 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 I don't need this right now. One out, and Arazarena is at third, and Brandon Lau at first with Yandy Biceps Diaz at the plate. I am trying to channel Ryu right, right now. He looks calm. Just stay calm, Jacob. And Ryu gets a big swing and miss. Strikeout. Two outs. Yes, dog. Yes. <laughs> Manuel Margot sends an outside pitch the other way on the ground, and it's one nothing race. And Ryu... Cool as a cucumber, does everything he needs to get out of it, limiting the damage, but is left down by the defense. Bo is playing deep and sails a throw too high, and now everyone is safe. Base is loaded. Adamas up, and that's a strikeout again. Feed on it, Ryu. Just a nice warm-up and some incentive for these boys with the bats to get going early. Glasnow sits down Vladdy and Grichik, and Grichik's strikeout was nasty, but Teoscar puts it in play and singles the other way. Now my main man, Travis Shaw, gives me the Tropicana jump off the couch for a dinger only to see it barely land in the outfield. He singles, though, and Teoscar gets to third. Panic grounds out to first and ends the inning, but these guys know they can touch Glasnow now. I'm considering what different objects will cause different kind of damage on my TV screen because Zanino just demolished Ryu's trash fastball and deposited it in the stands for a two-run home run now. Three nothing race. Why isn't anyone warming up yet? Ryu doesn't have it. Uh, Rosarena crushes a ball and it doesn't quite make it out and he's standing at second. Stripling is now warming up and fuck, fuck, fuck! I can't stand this, Ryu is not right. Bo has just made another error and the bases are loaded again. Grand fucking slam. Hunter Renfro, seven nothing Jays. Now I've got silent rage. Quiet rage, the real stuff. That, that tired of some fucking bullshit in your relationship rage. I'm going to make some hot dogs now. I don't know how many, but it's going to be a lot. 
Danny Jansen crushes a high fastball at 96 miles per hour and hits a really big, nice ding-dong. 7-1 Rays. It's bottom of the fourth now, and it's 8-1 Rays. Don't fucking ask me how. Nate Pearson is coming in the game, and I feel a bit like I'm pissed off, but someone has said something really funny or really nice, and I'm trying not to show my smile through my anger. Nate blows away Margot, 98, through the bottom of the zone, 1K. Gets Hunter Renfro with a slider outside after he threw 101 up top, 2Ks. 100 miles per hour, up and in on Adamas, 3Ks, the only KKK I love. Pearson just had his way with the Rays, and I'm just praying we get another ending from him so I can feel some good things as I prepare to say my goodbye to the Blue Jays this season. Jansen hits another dinger, 8-2 Rays. Okay, okay. Let me take that again since it's something to rally behind. 2-0 count to Jansen, who ain't going home without reminding everyone this is his job right now. And he gets a fastball down the middle, only 94 miles per hour, and he does not miss. It gets out of the yard real fast, and that's a ding-dong dose for slamming Danny Jansen. Pearson is back out, and Nate does Nate stuff as Buck does Buck stuff, mistaking G-Man Choi for Yoshi Satsugo. Top of six, and Vladdy's on second with one out. Teoscar has a full count and strikes out looking again. It was a fastball, and at this point, I don't know what he's looking for. Bottom of the seventh now, and I've spent most of the last 20 to 30 minutes looking for fights with Blue Jays fans on Twitter. Top of nine, end of the line for the Blue Jays season. Brittany calls me as Teoscar grounds out and says, what's wrong? As I tell her the score, and she says, sorry, I guess you'll have to find a new job. And just like that, I guess I will. And it's not just finding a new job, it's finding a new purpose in life. Theater has been taken from me and so I poured every ounce of my passion into covering baseball and trying to make that fun and creative and now it's done. Five months until spring training, the world collapsing, bubbles bursting, lockdown number two coming. What will I wake up for now? The Blue Jays lose 8-2. to two. Holy fuck. I really didn't even want to hear your game diary because I knew it was going to bring up all the shit that I felt about the game. But then mm-hmm. at the end there, when you really encompassed it about like, man, I feel like shit. I just yeah. have to say that. I don't want to have to like do this and like, hey, everybody, it was a good season. I feel like shit. And yes, it was a good season, but I also just feel like trash. And on a second note, I also sent a text to a friend last night saying that Tyler Glasnow looked like Killian Murphy on, <laughs> uh, on growth hormone. <laughs> a six foot eight freak version of Killian Murphy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Tyler Glasnow is going to be in, in the next, uh, uh, what's, <laughs> what's his name? That film director that uses him, uh, the Batman guy. Uh, oh, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Glasnow is going to be in the next Christopher Nolan picture. Oh man, what a just shit game. Just it over so quick and no real attempt at a comeback. You get a couple Danny Jansen bombs to maybe sprinkle in a little bit of hope for next year that mm-hmm. his offensive woes will come around. What in the hell happened to Kevin Biggio? I don't know. I really don't know. He's he was he was brutal. The whole just, the whole series. Striking out looking so many times on fastballs, fastballs, fastballs. I feel like whatever approach the Blue Jays were going with was really exposed. And uh, maybe we didn't give Tampa Bay enough credit because uh, they're a hell of a team. They really, really are. They, their pitching is, I mean, look, two games. Who knows how they could uh, fare in a seven-game seven series. But yeah, 
Their pitching's tough. Their defense is elite, and they're really deep. They might not have the star power, but they are spread out all over the place. Yeah, and especially when guys who, you know, don't mash just come up huge in playoff moments for you and hit big home runs or big doubles, like, yeah, it's brutal. You can't oh. you can't deal with that. And like, yeah, maybe maybe even in a four game series, just a regular like regular season it's a four game set with tampa bay maybe we could have split this series you know i don't know probably yeah. probably not because well i, I mean our, to- our pitching didn't get better from there on in either no that's what, true. what what i found curious about this and you know there's so many things that i don't know and but here's how i felt as a fan you have all these analytics that suggest to you that Matt Shoemaker is done after three innings, even though he's thrown 35 pitches and he, he's, you know, maybe a strong word is dominating, but he's, he's getting through the order with, with some ease. So then where are your analytics when Ryu's fastball is four miles an hour less than it should be? His location is not what we're used to. And you leave him in that long like where's the quick hook and then what bothered me too was that your response in a do or die situation and yes it was seven seven nothing but your response in a do or die situation is ross stripling and i just that's where i got confused it's like you're gonna do the analytics or or aren't you and so then explain to me why this is the way it is yeah i think i think they got more more confidence in ross stripling maybe than than we do um they didn't want to bring Nate out yet. Maybe if uh, if Stripling can hold it down for an inning or two, give the chance for Blue Jays bats, come back in it. They didn't. Nate got up, and Nate Nate was uh, oh my god, he was electric. Yeah. It's one of those things that you you have to hold on to that, and and you know that was one of the takeaways from that game where it was like at the end of a season on a, a TV show, and right like right in the last like 30 seconds they give you that little hook that makes you want to watch season two yeah it yeah. was get ready for nate pearson in 2021 <laughs> the the post credits marvel scene where they show you <laughs> the next villain yeah absolutely and and he had some swag on the mound too which was really nice he was kind of like doing a little pumps when he was striking people out his his slider was incredible his yep. fastball had good location yeah, God, just a really unsatisfying game, though. It just, yeah, I mean, it's an eight seed and one seed. Fine, they win, whatever. But that that narrative of the Blue Jays' defense that was exposed again, and I just hate that it was Bobichet so much. That first throw that he sailed, he just sailed it. It looked like he yep. didn't have anything behind him. His legs weren't underneath him, and he just sailed it. And it's so frustrating. It's just so. It's such a frustrating way for this game to go out. Do you think do are they looking at, at Ryu's velocity uh, while he's warming up in the bullpen that day? Like, do they get a chance, or is it just like I don't know if they have a gun in the in the in the bullpen when they do the warm ups? They must. They must. If 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 they're that analytically inclined, and the all the little metrics mean so much to how they make their decisions, yeah, they, they got rap sodos and shit. But what are they going to do at that point? They're going to be like, ah, uh, we can't take a chance. You know, uh, reuse reuse fastballs a couple miles slower than it than it usually is. Are we gonna just not start our best guy because it, it, it he might not have it that day? 
But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying even if you were aware that his fastball was down a bit in the bullpen, you give him, um, yeah, absolutely, you get him out there because you know that this guy's been in the playoffs. He's been in the World Series. He's the guy you gave $80 million to to be the ace of your rotation. Let's see what he can do against these guys because velocity is not his game anyway. But but the downtick in the velocity has to signify something. And so once he has that downtick and then when you see with your eyes that he's not effective at all, uh, I just felt like a decision needed to be made because it was a do or die moment in the season. And what do you have to lose? Like for Christ's sakes, put in Taiwan Walker for God's sakes. Like it, it didn't at that point you're fighting for your life. Yeah. I thought about if they could get Walker up, but I don't think they have time. He's, I don't think he's a guy that like he needs, he needs a fucking morning. He needs a day to get ready. He's not the kind of guy that just starts getting loose in 10 minutes. Well, we don't know that we've seen starters do that before. We've seen starters, um, and, and the possibility had to be in the air that if Ryu went out early, this, they had to do something. And the response was Ross Stripling. And, you know, Ross Stripling was fine. Yeah. But it just seemed, it was just frustrating for me. What is the number one thing on your Blue Jays wish list for 2021? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting hearing those, those two guys here and, you know, tabler pat tabler after the game talk about a kind of a similar thing jeff blair mm-hmm. suddenly like <laughs> i was like fucking, praising vladdy <laughs> well not only pla- praising vladdy but jeff you've been saying for the past like month that we're set in the outfield one one game like two games into the playoffs now all of a sudden you have like the most pressing need to address is center field where did that take come from jeff like hasn't he hasn't he said that the the, the outfield is fine uh, yeah, I don't know if he said that the outfield's fine or if he said that the outfield was achieving to a degree that nobody was really expecting. I feel like all... he's, he said, he said specifically that there was a huge, there was a huge push in the off season to go get a new, some, some big new guy in the outfield. And yet all of these guys stepped up and now I guess, I guess he just doesn't believe in Gritchick anymore and wants to, wants to package him. But Regardless, you're asking me what 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 my need is. I think I think this team becomes elite, like nearly overnight. If we can get another starter, you know, obviously I want Trevor Bauer. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Trevor would come here. Doesn't based on the amount of you know Trevor Bauer vlogs and shit that I watch about what he seems to be all about. I'd be surprised if he if he came north um, to Canada. But for me, my my big move, I'm pu- I'm pushing my chips in to to put together a package for Nolan Arenado because uh, it seems that he's he's unhappy in Colorado. That's I've I've been seeing all sorts of articles about that. He's he's already locked up. I don't know. They signed that like ten year contract two years ago, so we've got eight more years of of Nolan Arenado. Something like don't quote me on the exact number, but. I think we could put together a package. We've got we've got the guys. I think we could put together a package that still left us in pretty good position to, um, you know, we've got a deep farm system. We've got we could still have a farm system after that and not not ruin everything. But this is a third baseman. We need a third baseman. This is possibly you know along with Manny Machado the most elite defensive third baseman in the game. So that's a huge upgrade for our defense. And he can mash too. So I think that that would be a huge get and, and take this team to another level. I'm with you that third base is the the thing. Uh, I just have just a different 
idea, I guess, I want to take Matt Chapman from the Oakland A's. Because mm. he's younger, and I don't think the A's are going to be able to afford him, and he's going to go into arbitration. And I think you could get him the same way that you got Josh Donaldson from the A's because they don't like paying guys. Um, and I also, I just feel that because Nolan Arenado has been so elite defensively and because he's getting a little bit older, you're going to witness a decline. There's no way his body can hold up playing that elite level of defense as he gets into uh, his 30s or yeah. gets further, further along into his 30s. And, you know, would I be excited if we got Nolan Arenado? Absolutely. But um, I'd love to do a little a little steal of another third baseman from the A's and uh, get another MVP from them. Yeah, I, I would be I would be surprised if uh, if they didn't fork up the money to pay someone like Chapman. I don't think he's I don't think I mean, he, he'll be expensive, but I think that, you know, the A's window, you know, it's. It's it's all about Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, that kind of crew. And I think... Well, you could have made the same argument with Josh Donaldson, and yet they gave him to the Blue Jays for dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I, I, obviously, I'd love Matt Chapman, too. I don't think his his bat is, is as exciting as uh, Arenado's. But I also think that uh, Arenado's, yeah, he's going to decline a bit, but I feel like he's so far... Same with Chapman. They're both so far... In, away above elite that you know if he's on like 20 percent above league average that mm-hmm. with a couple of years decline he's gonna maybe come down to like five percent above league average where he's still mm-hmm. better than <laughs> a league average third baseman but um so we've got robbie ray and taiwan walker as free agents would you sign either of them would you try to sign either of them robbie ray and taiwan walker yeah yeah, um, I I would go for Robbie Ray. I think that Robbie Ray feels more realistic to me. Like uh, I I don't know how Taiwan Walker feels about the Blue Jays, um, and I don't know how he's going to feel particularly after not getting into a playoff game with this team. And you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are talking about how the players are going to be pissed off at this organization for the way that they've done and done dirty to shoemaker pulling him like that. I don't know if that's true or if, if these guys um, think that any other team who is trying to win and who has an eye on analytics is going to be thinking any differently, or if they are going to understand that this is, this is the way the game goes and that actually the blue Jays have a really exciting future ahead of them. And so, you know, I don't know, is, is Tywan Walker going to want to go back to the Mariners? Maybe. Yeah, it's interesting because players definitely talk and I, it's it's hard to know. Analytics, you know, are fine for the organization, but the way that, you know, players are treated are going to be a talking point amongst them around the league. And say what you want about Tanner Roark, but you think of a, you think of a guy uh, who is maybe considering coming to the Blue Jays, gave Tanner Roark a call and asked him what it was like. Do you think he would speak highly of his experience in Toronto so far? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but to me, to me, that's where I feel like I can, I can imagine, you know, cause we're talking about good guys here. We're not talking, I don't want a fucking average everyday dudes. Like, like some friend of Tanner Roark who isn't making a playoff roster being like, Hey, you didn't make that playoff roster. I'm going to assume that the really good guy is going to be like, well, fucking Tan- yeah, Tanner Roark fucking sucks. Of course. I don't, I'm glad that this team didn't saw what we saw, saw what Tanner Roark had done, decided, 
I don't think we've got a good chance of winning by having Tanner Roark on our roster. That's me. I, like, I love that you think Tanner Roark doesn't have elite friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he does, but it's like it's like when you're when you're friends with a with an actor. I, you know what I mean. You know yeah, what I'm I, saying. I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And I, you know why that actor, that, your friend, didn't get the part, and some other person did. But sure. But even still, like when that that star uh, still might not like the way that they go about the rehearsal days or the way that they go about, you know, building the show or whatever. I mean, it, 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 all up and down the scale on, you know, stars and day players, whatever. Um, people talk. Yeah. People do talk. I guess like I was thinking about it specifically yesterday, thinking about this very specific thing. I'm like, would Trevor Bauer think if I went to the blue Jays, I would get a hook pulled on me after four innings. I don't think so. I think Trevor Bauer knows if he was on the Blue Jays and if they had the option of using me, they would be riding me to the eighth just like the Reds were because he gave up two hits and struck out 12 dudes. Like, you yeah. just, your game speaks I, for itself and it gets you where you need to go. That's a whole other level. Like, Trevor Bauer is up with the Scherzers and Verlanders and it's a completely different level than even a Ryu than, than, and for sure than a Taiwan Walker or a Robbie Ray. Mm -hmm. um, so Jacob, here's the floor for you. Let's just take a little bit of time here and uh, answer this question for me. I'm going to let this all come full circle for you. Would you sign Travis Shaw next year? Hmm. All right. Well, let me let me just let me just take a second here. Think through. Let me just have. If you, a, want, if you want to have a sip of bourbon or something. I was just, I was really it. pulling it up. I was <laughs> pulling it up here. Travis Shaw. Hmm. <laughs> here, yeah, while you think about that, I'm just going to go grab my bourbon because this, okay. this, this desires this, this. This requires. This is a full <laughs> season type of thing. Oh, and I have a question for you when I come back. Okay. Fuck. Okay, we're back. So, so answer that first. You know, last night what. What what did he do in this series? Even no, 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 no. It doesn't he matter. A, he got a dumpy single last night. Uh, he did a mistakes a mistake single off the hands. Yeah, as you heard in my game diary, it had that pop off of it. The kind of the stroke <laughs> of it looked like I was like, oh my god, Travis Shaw is going to hit a dinger right now. <laughs> uh, but no. So I'm just looking at at the baseball savant 2020 percentile rankings. So Travis Shaw has two things that he's good at. Um, exit velocity and hard hit percentage. So he hits it hard a lot, and the hardness that he hits it is pretty hard. Everything else is bad. Uh, his his expected batting average is is thirty eight out of a hundred. His K percentage twenty one out of a hundred. His outs above average thirty six. His whiff thirty three. Sprint speed. This fucking guy's got a twelve out of a hundred on the sprint speed. That's that <laughs> to to put that guy in third baseman, you know, as a third baseman. That's how unathletic he is. I I know that sprint speed sprint speed isn't everything, and I'm sloshing around a little bit of this bourbon right now. But yeah, but um, to be fair to him, he wasn't really supposed to play third base. No, we we we've talked about that a lot, um, and and I've tried to give that fairness to him, um. But, but his bat's also not good enough to be a DH. No, it ain't. No, he and hit 239 this season, six home runs, OPS 717. Uh, you know, he, he, he was bad last year, 
and he's he's maybe slightly better than the like god awful he was last year. So I don't know I don't know who who in their right minds what team could pick him up. Maybe you know that's that's going to be going to like dumpster fires like the like the Orioles. I think even the Orioles are probably above signing someone like Travis Shaw at this point. I I mean. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, I, I he would at least get a minor league, <laughs> a minor league invite, uh, and maybe that's downselling him too much. Maybe somebody says, "Hey, here's a million bucks, come play for us this year." I can see that probably happening. Do you think Where? he's the guy that we ripped the most this year? Yeah, him or Tanner Roark. Which which one? If if no one knew, and they were on a bridge, Shaw. would you push? <laughs> Travis, I would I would do it. I actually, I kind of like Tanner Roark. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I wanted oh, to. Going into the season, I kind of like Tanner Roark. Uh, so in things coming full circle here, Jacob, we've been doing this for, I don't know, three months now. Feels like 10 years. Uh, we, at one point early on, maybe the episode three or four of Underdogs, we did a COVID over under 19 where... Wow. I asked you questions about the season uh, using the number 19 uh, to go over or under for certain players' stats. And I re-listened to that section of the episode today. And as much as uh, it was very difficult to listen to, but in some way I was like, oh, okay, at least we're not that bad anymore. And I wanted to let this come full circle here. And I want to know if you remember some of these. So... For COVID over under 19, the first question was home runs. Would any Blue Jay get over 19 home runs? Do you remember who you chose? I'm pretty sure I chose Tay Oscar. You're damn right you did, but actual number 16. <sighs> I chose Vladdy. You know I did. I fucking <laughs> love Vladdy. I got tons of hope and love for Vladdy. Vladdy had nine dingers. Yeah, I remember uh, you gave me shit for choosing Tay Oscar too, didn't you? You were like, when I said it wasn't Vladdy, it wasn't Bo, you were like, oh, grit chicken. I was like, no, I chose no, Tay Oscar. I'll tell you exactly what I said. You okay. said Tay Oscar, and I went, oh, oh, I thought you were going to choose Grishik. Like, no real take, just a noise. I just right. made a noise. I just made a noise to cover space. Um, <laughs> And the next one was 19 steals. Oh, yeah, this one. You got to eat some <laughs> shit for this one. <laughs> I knew I was eating shit as soon as the shit came out of my mouth. I was like, I'm going to eat that again. Uh, Jacob rightfully said, no one. And I said, but with shit, we'll get over 19 steals. Actual tally four, even though, you know, he missed 27 games. So let's say in 27 games, he gets 15. So let's call that right. So let's say Bo did get 19 steals. Well, how did he go up? <laughs> how did he get times by three with only playing double the games? Well, because uh, instead of a knee injury, he experienced uh, a rejuvenation of a knee that allowed uh, him to have super speed. I see. I see. Okay, cool. The next question was, would any of the key starters on the team, you know, like not the... Not the Derek Fishers and I don't know, I guess I'm I'm humming around Joe Panic, but you know, Joe Panic's a fairly regular player. Would anybody get below 190 as a batting average? Do you remember what you said, Jacob? <laughs> I have no idea. You said Randy Baby Grishik would get a 188 average. Wow. You said. And his actual batting average this year, 273. Good for him. I said <laughs> Randall Grichik was going to hit below 190. You did. Uh, I mean, to be fair to you, you were forced to choose somebody in the starting core. Uh, 
Uh, uh, I said Teoscar Hernandez. And Teoscar Hernandez finished with 289. But I also want to uh, say for anybody who, uh, if anybody chooses to go back and listen to this horrific conversation that we had, uh, when I said Hernandez, Jacob said, and I quote, yeah, he's got to be the other guy you'd choose. So I'm not alone on that island with Teoscar. Jacob, Jacob also said that, you know, maybe he would choose him. I also said he's pretty much Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> We're all over the place on this show. We're just spitting into the wind. I'm just going to uh, say I was a lot closer to the Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah, you were. You absolutely were. Um, the last one was, would any of the starters on the Toronto Blue Jays have a below 1.9 ERA? Do you remember mm. what you said, Jacob? Guessing I chose for you. No, you very quickly and immediately said no one and ah. scoffed, scoffed at the question. Right. <laughs> ruining the bit that I'd created. <laughs> and then I... This is this is maybe as crazy as the Bobachette thing, but I'll, I'll tell you at least what the reasoning I had at the time was. I chose Nate Pearson. Right. And the reason I chose Nate Pearson is because I thought his innings wouldn't be high. I thought that he was going to have little three-inning outings for a while and that he was just going to be dominant. And I said that because everyone was going to be spending all day long in these hotel rooms, that they wouldn't be able to just <laughs> come onto the field and face, uh, and I quote, 105-108. <laughs> 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 his velocity was going way up this season <laughs> yes i yes, love that take for you was. yeah i mean look the blue jays had some growth over this year and the underdogs had some growth over this year and so here we are this is the last the last episode for underdogs for you know we're gonna take a little break and then we're gonna figure out what we want to do we still want to do stuff but we're just not really sure what we want to do. So I wanted to <laughs> feel like you were going to say something there, were you? I was just going to say, I mean, people don't really, you know, I was just going to say like maybe, maybe next week we do a, a playoffs, you know, we're going to be watching playoff baseball. Maybe it's an underdogs MLB show for the rest of the playoffs. And we do it once a week, maybe twice a week yeah. if we're really I, excited. But I mean, but I mean, yeah. after the playoffs, what is underdogs going to be? We, we, we don't. Yeah. Fully but I just, I guess what I mean is, Right now, we are in the the last stretch of the last of our daily Blue Jays episodes, yes. and what we choose to do after that is a little bit up in the air, but we do believe that we're going to do something. And so, you know, this is, it doesn't, it's a little bit sad, you know, because it's a, it's a, it's been a meaningful thing to do, and it's been nice to see the listeners out there grow and start to build and that's i think been meaningful for me i think it's been meaningful for you so i wanted to know like what if you could encompass this whole just thing that we decided to do on a whim how are you feeling right now at the end of it all mm. yeah i just feel like uh so much of it has just felt like like I kind of I touched on it a bit in the diary, just feeling like having a, a purpose, you know. Like I've been surviving on the CERB right now, and I could have been doing nothing. And I know that I'd be extremely unhappy doing that, you know, just lazing around, doing nothing, watching baseball, just consuming it without having any sort of 
critical eye on it or any sort of, you know, keeping my creative juices going because, you know, obviously we're just, we just talk about baseball, but, you know, a lot, a lot more goes into it than that. And, you know, doing, doing the editing, doing the game diary, you know, making a song every day, basically on top of writing the, the game diary, just, just what it's meant to me is, is having a, a, a reason to live. Um, like honestly, and not that's not to say I'm going to be suicidal now that this is over. Well, you did text me something like that last night. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I I feel the same way. I think that in uh, in early days of underdogs, and you know, up until somewhat recently, it was an outlet for me for things like teenagers throwing shit on my deck, um, for stresses that I was having at the restaurant, or a way to just be creative and tell stories and also follow a team that I love and the, and the commitment that we made to each other to get up at 10 o'clock every day and be prepared to do something. And as the course of this went along, that preparation became more and more specific and more and more clear to us as to what we were trying to do. And one of the reasons that we wanted to do it every day was because we thought that if we did it every day, we'd get better at it. Mm -hmm. And that was the, attempt and so at the end of this all um i just want to say uh jacob it's been a pleasure to do this with you every day to turn on these mics and figure it out we've had uh you know we've had some tensions along the way and i mm -hmm. think we were just trying to to i'm just really happy and i'm really proud that we stuck to it and that we that we did it and i want to thank all the listeners out there for um hitting play for hitting subscribe for hitting follow and if anybody out there ever said to somebody hey you know check out this show thank you and if anybody else out there turned on this show and said oh this sucks and but didn't say <laughs> that to anybody you know kept it to them kept it to themselves thank you and if anybody out there has openly trashed us to people and kept us from having a larger audience, well, to each their own. Yeah. Um, but this is the end of a 2020 season. It's not the end of underdogs, but no. it's just the end of a, of, a, of a time with underdogs. Yeah. And in some ways it was like, it's so interesting for us to have decided to do this. Um, and even when we created the Buck and Tabby show, it's just, it, it's a completely different medium than we're used to, you know? Like, the fact that you and I do this every day and we post this and we see these numbers of all of these people listening, we see these people listening in Singapore and Peru and France and Russia and Germany, like, having no idea who these people are when, you know, we've done some film and television, but we've also done a lot of theater. The majority of the work that I have done, specifically anyway, has been in a theater where I am performing for an audience of people that I can see in front of me, that I can experience laughing along with me and just putting this out there every day, having no idea what the reaction is to it really, to any of that and to continuing to try and, you know, we're, we're our own audience to some extent. We listen to it and we have to be like, how can we, how can we make this better? What are, what are we doing wrong? What can we do to make it more exciting, more listenable, have more energy, all this all this different stuff that we have learned along the way. So I think, yeah, for sure, in in my eyes, we've definitely made it better than it was at the beginning. <laughs> you know, we've both listened to that that first episode, the comeback, episode one of Underdogs, and 
had a really difficult time getting through it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And it's also just to say like such a weird time in the world where in the morning, you know, me and Jacob check the numbers of downloads, but then right after we check the numbers of COVID cases mm -hmm. in, in the world and in Ontario and in Toronto. And that's just become second nature. It's just become this normalized thing that we do. And, you know, of late, these Ontario numbers and Canadian numbers are, you know, going up at a pretty at a pretty alarming rate. And this is a scary time in the world and other places have been hit with a second wave already. And so to have these people out there, have you people out there, the people listening right now, out there right now, we're all going through this and it's a, it's a weird sense of community, but it's the sense of community nonetheless. And so thank you everybody for, for uh, tuning in and uh, be safe, be well, and take care of the people that you love. <laughs> I didn't mean to uh, <coughs> go there. This is Underdog signing off.